Hey, this is Ross Payton with Rollplaying Bubble Radio. This is RPBR episode 165. The importance of gear in RPGs. Uh, yeah, we're, we're doing just honest titles now, just so you know what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Lame. Yeah. Uh, Go back to the bad puns. <laughs> bad puns aren't good ACO. That's the problem. Uh, and we're all about, you know, that's when you think You about, sold out, Peyton. I have you went Hollywood. Yeah. If only. I didn't even get to Hollywood. Book. Yeah. I'm at, like, direct to DVD territory. I'm, like, at the asylum. Like, um, Transmorphers. Yeah. <laughs> If I got the license to do the Transmorphers uh, RPG, <laughs> I would not do it. That should be what we do. Yeah. <laughs> we should make shitty knockoff. Just ask the knockoff about. RPGs. Aaron's soul will melt. It'd be amazing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. No, actually, only dragon and basements. <laughs> dragon and basements. <laughs> lizard overgrown lizard in basements. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> So, uh, anyways, in this episode, we're going to be talking about items in uh, RPGs, uh, good implementations of it, bad implementations, what is an item, how important it is to player characters, and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, but first off, we do have a bit of news. Uh, Caleb, uh, it's it's here. It's finally happening. It's yes. happening. Uh, Party Foul exists in the world. It's at game stores. People are playing it. It's Woo! crazy. Yeah. I'm buying it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to buy the game that they missed the Kickstarter, where should they buy it? You can get it at tabletopdirect.com, or you could get it off our website, uh, partyfilethegame.com, which mm-hmm. will redirect you to Tabletop Direct, but <laughs> uh, URL will uh, get you there either way. So Okay. Yeah. Cool. All at in, or at a fine game store. Yeah. yeah so. uh, and if you go to uh, one of any number of cons this year, Caleb may be there to... Uh, uh, desperately like, hawk it to yeah. you uh that includes origins gen con and moon city con here yes. in springfield so uh i'll be at origins too uh it should be a lot of fun and uh spencer will be at origins uh, actually he'll be at all three of those cons too so yeah you know. <laughs> when is moon city con again uh september, september. yeah september yeah. Okay. um and origins is in june and of course gen con is in august so yay uh i'll be the one screaming please it's about ducks. Please. <laughs> that, that are drinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a That's my pitch so far. Yeah. Just wailing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bold strategy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's the only thing that hasn't been let tried at Gen Con <laughs> yeah. so far is just outright wailing. Um, actually, if you could bring live ducks in there, like train ducks. Do it. Yeah. Do it. People like ducks. Uh, the actual the animal. Yeah. Um, Anyways, we uh, also, I'll be going to Australia next month, or actually in two weeks from this recording. Um, and I'm re- recording a bunch of episodes ahead of time, and they'll be all scheduled out, so you won't miss anything on the podcast. But I won't be in America. I'll be in Australia, and yeah. I'll be on vacation. It'll be great. Yeah. What if I bring a duck, and then I only give him a treat if you buy a copy of the game? <laughs> okay. And so I'm like, well, you didn't buy a copy, so... So this is like, poor quackers. Did you did look you, at him? He's so hungry. Have this you is seen, like, have you seen nah. The Wire season two? <laughs> yeah, where, he, where that dude brings that duck into the bar. Like, <laughs> yeah, apparently ducks. I don't know. I mean, it's fiction, so <laughs> it's probably completely worthless as far as knowledge goes. But that duck lasted a while taking shots at the bar. So yeah, yeah. you can try. You can try to get the duck the, the duck drunk. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's the, not going to be animal abuse. It'll be like a pee or something. Quackers will enjoy. Yeah, yeah the yeah. animal abuse will be you not buying the game. <laughs> <laughs> You're just it's on it. you. Yeah, not not me. Not or Mr. Quackers. 
Yeah. Our Mr. Quackers. He's the victim. He, yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, be sure to look for Mr. Quackers at Gen Con. Uh, now cue us trying to figure out a duck costume. That's just fucking LARPing that. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Um, anyways, we should talk about games uh, and uh, items in them because uh, what got me thinking about this idea for an episode was actually listening to both of you talk. Uh, about uh, uh, an upcoming Red Markets book. Do uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so Sean Ferris and Matt Campen uh, made uh, a gear supplement for Red Markets, uh, which is the very first thing people ask for, and they ask for it to this day. And I had absolutely no desire to do it whatsoever because I find it to be the least interesting part of almost any game, uh, including my own. Uh, and they did it and they did it really super well uh in that you know there's a bunch of you know gun fondly stuff in it that people want and that you could build your entire character concept around but then if you try and do anything else they will bleed you out entirely of your funds because they're very specialized goods uh and they called it they're calling it the veblen goods catalog which is you know like ferrari kind of stuff so uh it's it's really cool and we're playtesting it now jason uh is Uh, yeah, I am currently running two campaigns, actually testing this particular supplement. Um, and I'm also on one of them testing the hopefully potential, uh, first red market expansion rule set that will add mass combat and more rules to to the game. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that game is, uh, called red markets meets day Z. The YouTube links are being currently posted onto the Facebook page. So, uh, yeah, go give Phil Monday some love because I will have some links in the show notes too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I'm doing for hopefully for tabletop tales if the recordings come out good. Uh, first game, a eh, little, <laughs> little rough on our recordings. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I've got a almost entirely female taker crew, um, that I've managed to peruse together. Yeah. We've been, uh, we've been getting to play with all the new toys that, uh, that these gentlemen came up with and can confirm chainsaws are absolutely awful. So <laughs> well done on trying to make that balance. So not everyone is running around trying to live their, um, Shit, what Evil is that Dead. Guy? Evil Dead. Dead Rights. Is that that? Uh, is that that video I game? I mean, where Doom. Like, yeah, it's just um, everywhere. Yeah, now. no. Like the chainsaw rules are actually really good as far as making it the most obnoxious and stupid thing you could possibly <laughs> carry. But if you do, it does have some baller stuff. Like it adds intimidation checks, though only when used in combat. So <laughs> you're that uh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are that guy. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it it breaks your strength. It breaks uh, so it breaks your haul rating. It breaks your refresh rates. It's like it's, it just breaks everything about your character, as Caleb said. Like you will absolutely pay for carrying this stupid <laughs> stupid thing around <laughs> uh so yeah i i like it uh i like that it's those specialized kind of stuff but like i'll be completely honest had had sean not and matt said not done it already and been like hey you want to do this i'm like yeah uh, i would have never done it because you know i i have a i have a gear aesthetic uh as is playing in red markets already um, so yeah, I guess we could talk about that if you want to, but well, I mean, just overall, um, the importance of items in video games really varies quite a bit. Certainly in a lot of the more traditional ones, obviously D and D, uh, first and foremost, items are extremely important. They're part of your character, uh, and who they are because, um, you know, certain magic items can make or break a character concept, at least. And, you know, if you're really going into like, I need to optimize my character and he needs to be able to this, this little, you know, character needs to be able to do this kind of amount of damage per round or whatever else. Um, or it gives me this kind of versatility or this kind of utility. 
Um, and then of course you have other games where items are almost non-existent or are parts of your, per- or just simply signifiers of your personality. So, you know, in fate, you know, a gun is just, the thing is now it lets you make attacks with the shoot skill instead of the fist skill, you know, or the unarmed skill. Um, so there's a lot of different treatments. In Unless game. you have an aspect called the shooting fist. Yeah. <laughs> in which case, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. You can punch you had people to use one of your stunts for over that. the horizon. Yeah. 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 Uh, you had to use your stunt for that. So, um, what was that? Robot jocks that had one of those. I, yeah, I, I don't know. know. I mean, <laughs> robot jocks did have shooting fists. Uh, that that's actually in a lot of giant robot. Animes. Uh, well, yeah, actually robot jocks was live action, but anyways, um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's kind of, um, and there's also good and bad implementation. So, like, what makes a good, what, I mean, clearly you want uh, item rules that I think enhance a game and make a game more fun. And certainly there is that sort of, like, for players, it is that kind of, ah, oh, I have the cool thing now. I can do coolest thing. And, you know, that's kind of satisfying. It's part of the the escapist joy of RPGs is like, ah, I can finally forward or I've, I finally found this awesome item. Now I can just totally wail on enemies or do whatever. Um, and... So there is value in that and, you know, being able to find fun in that. So, um, I mean, there are game, there are video game genres that are based on loot, you know, like most of them. Yeah. Not, well, I mean, outside the indie space, almost all video games are entirely based around loot nowadays. Um, well, I was thinking puzzle games really aren't, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Except for those guys who are, you know. Streaming Tetris, yeah, like Ninja's Tetris, you know, stream. <laughs> I mean, Tetris uh, 99 streams are getting to be very popular. Okay, uh, yes. <laughs> I, yes, Ross, I'm aware you found every deep, dark corner of the I internet know. to I was, find I was, a I was referring to Diablo and those uh, kind of okay, examples, which yeah. are so based on, like, thousands of items spawning and, and filtering through them. Well, yeah. here's what I find yeah, interesting. Yeah. With modern video games, yeah, there is so much focus on loot. So you look at the modern Battle Royale, it all depends on, like, what guns you can find and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff, even the hero shooters are now based around loot even though loot has no effect on the gameplay because now it's those damn loot boxes yeah yeah. Yeah. which is what i find really interesting is that like they're literally just paying lip service to the idea of capitalism (laughs) and skinner boxes and acquiring things because it does it's nothing but conspicuous consumptions it's nothing but a digital skin (laughs) it does nothing to actually affect your gameplay it they're really just like you know, Mia Culpa's like bowing to Moloch there for like, <laughs> yes, th- we have a catalog of things. It has no effect on the gameplay or story. Also, if it's like Anthem or Destiny, we don't have a story, yeah. <laughs> but oh uh, we've got many different things, things that you can have, Yeah, but you can't have all the things, just some of them. And yeah. That gives them value, right? Loot box. Like, yeah. It, and so, yeah, that's, that would be the darker side of this that that I see sometimes, but yeah, I, I view it as a continuum. Like, there's pure narrativist because, like, what are we doing in RPGs besides just sitting around and playing pretend? And we were all kids, like playing with Nerf guns. Just like, no, I have an invisible shield given to me by, you know, where you just Calvin make, Ball, yeah, Calvin yeah. Ball, which yeah. is a lot of indie RPG storytelling. Mm-hmm. Are your personality overcomes all obstacles, sure, or that kind of stuff, uh, and is very much about like wish fulfillment and empowerment. And then on the other side is just like shopping simulator, like, you know, 
uh, I don't like Robotech D&D. or D and D or Robotech is not not so much, uh, but yeah, definitely D and D or Mech Warrior or whatever. Yeah. It, yeah, like I have I have a mech that fits inside this other mech that will shoot out when my first mech dies, and it has these guns and they have this much ammo, and I count every bullet and like that's the other side of it. it's like. Well, Calvin Ball on the one side, and then this Phoenix Command bullshit on the other side, <laughs> and you got to land somewhere in the middle there. Um, and yeah, I think I think you go too far in one because if you don't acknowledge the importance of stuff, that's um, that sort of limits the number of stories you can tell. It sort of has to be an iconic narrative, like because Batman can have stuff, but Batman's still going to be awesome without stuff. Like Batman has a paperclip, he's going to find a way to defeat the villain with it. Like, and it's all about the force of personality overcoming all, and that's an iconic narrative, all right. But like other more adult forms of narrative involve the reality of material existence, even if that's drastically different in whatever setting you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about scarcity and the fact that power is not absolute, and um, the stakes are higher, you know. So. I think you need that, but then you go too far in that. It's not about narrative at all anymore. It's about shopping. And then mm-hmm. yeah. we've already done episodes about like the capitalist assumptions of like all swords of this type are the same gold price, even in your feudal barter system or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, if you go too far on that end, it's not very fun because the problem with that is that while it does lead to a more, in my view, mature storytelling ability, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so much of it doesn't occur at the table. Like you're doing homework at home to shop out your gear or you're doing like, yeah, but some people do find that fun. Some people do. Yeah. And those people find it fun by themselves away from the table of other people who you're supposed to be having fun with. It's sort of like the antithesis of the social aspect. Cause you don't all sit there and shop together. Or at least most groups don't. Mm-hmm. And if you do, that's fine. But um, yeah, so I, I was just, it's really about striking that, um, equilibrium i suppose and so like people who are just like oh, i want every brand of gun possible in red markets and let's make it 400 page longer uh because we're gonna need you know every type of manufacturer or like we're gonna make up fictional gun manufacturers like shadow run and have mm-hmm. them and put out entire seasonal lines like right. uh yeah I, I just i don't see that making anything interesting at the table okay um jason you wanted you you also wanted to talk a little bit about narratives as we're kind of on that right and items yeah yeah and uh yeah and kind of to go along with that from a very very different kind of perspective Mm because um you know if anybody's going to be the gun porn guy at the rppr (laughs) table it's me like yeah you know growing up pretty heavily involved in in the the pro second Amendment community and then, you know, actually being in the military and yeah. going to war. Like I kind of understand, you know, some inherent like traits as far as the stuff and kind of where differentiation like kind of matters. And, mm-hmm. like, and also like kind of some of the aspects of what it can say about personality in the same way, you know, people might judge cars or, you know, clothing yeah. brands, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, like, you know, I, I'd be the guy that, you know, that wants to sit and like write out a list, but then I, couple of years ago you had me review phoenix command for for, for, <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for, after, hours. for after hours and yeah looking at that it's like uh you know this is fascinating and i do kind of understand some of the inherentness to your but like it literally would take a half hour just to figure out one, one shot. character yeah, yeah and then yeah or, yeah and then like yeah actually start you know delving into combat mechanics and 
you know, having now finally gotten to start running some RPGs and actually seeing like what's necessary to keep a narrative flow going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's nonsense. But Phoenix Bank would be great if I was trying to do like a ballistic recreation of (laughs) one gunfight. Like if there were no characters, but like, all right, you're going to be controlling Doc. We're going to do the OK Corral, but we're going to track where every bullet lands. Let's let's recreate it. This is our campaign. We're going to be here for 12 sessions of this one gunfight. That would be it. And if you found that fun, maybe that's the system for you. But like. Your character doesn't need a name in this scenario. You are Shooter B or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and, and yeah, like like I said, I would do it once. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I could sit down and do that for like a month, you know, worth of <laughs> gameplay sessions. And after that, like I'd never want to do it again. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I know that I would have burned up all goodwill I have with my with my friend and peer group you know mm-hmm. as far as like needing to do a game and now i need to shut the fuck up and let them run all their games <laughs> and never ever mention this that we did this again <laughs> yeah yeah um, but that being said like uh you know when we do run games you know um particular delta green um because delta green's loot system is you know we discussed before the podcast uh, a pretty effective one because it allows to kind of give differentiations that actually have real weight to the character and mm-hmm. as ross put it just give you more opportunities to get into trouble yeah <laughs> you uh, know yeah i mean by the default rules like in delta green you have to make essentially bureaucracy checks to acquire certain things yeah. or give up points of your character's personal bonds as you dump your life saving to get you know uh, to illegally modify your uh, your ak you yeah. know uh, for full auto or something like that in a machine shop and uh, find a drop site for it, you know, so no one can find it or tie right. it to you. you know? Right. But uh, I, I think you bring up a good point in that good gear is characterizing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's the techno, there's a tech, you know, the techno noir aspect of like, you know, the, yeah, the, the Tom Clancy, world, yeah, yeah, the Tom Clancy thing, the real world mm-hmm. aspect of like what these represent. And that extrapolates even further, you know, the further we move away from contemporary settings like red markets and Delta green, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah. And I think that's where there is, is some benefit to D&Ds, though obviously um, I've only played a campaign of D&D, and yeah, like I, I definitely get the criticism that you guys tend to level at it, and why I haven't played it since. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, no, I, I'll I, be actually know. trying to run some more D and D later this year, so uh, we'll do some more, you know, one shots or two shots of it, uh, seeing it broaden your horizon in that regard. Because okay, uh, <laughs> but that that's another discussion. So yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, like like there is an aspect of you know what it can say about the the character and the narrative, and it, as long as people can kind of understand what you're getting across, your verisimilitude. Your specificity is fine if it allows you to engage better with the story, as long as it doesn't in, impinge on the GM and the other players getting to get involved. And that's that's tend where I get. So I'll I'll quip something you know realistic, mm-hmm. and you know I I've, sometimes I've noticed you kind of like squinting at me like what, and I'll quickly like <laughs> clarify what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'll move on, and I won't like yeah I won't try and like power mm-hmm. game of like well no like this handgun is you know significantly more ballistically satisfactory, so I should get a little buff here now like because yeah, yeah. that's not you know, that's not gameplay efficient. That's game breaking. And it, what it says to me about my character says a lot more for me to engage than mm-hmm. what it needs to say as far as like affecting gameplay. Yeah. Um, watching, um, I watched an older extra credits episode for those familiar with that, where, um, the host, uh, Portnoy, I don't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. Uh, go into the myth of the gun and discuss Mm -hmm. why first person shooters are more prevalent in America and like watching that and discussing the idea of like mythology and what that says, you know, in this case, weapon choice and specifically discussing guns. Um, but you know, they get more into, um, you know, Japanese culture and, you know, uh, 
Buddhism and uh, Bushido and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and spirituality is where their combat and their, you know, their warrior mythology comes from. Whereas ours is literally based in, you know, the everyday man can pick up a gun and yeah, have the, a cause. The American and Revolution. Yeah, exactly. The American yeah, yeah. Revolution. And, you know, cutting out the, uh, the, the all the nasty aspects of Manifest Destiny, but like, you know, the frontier nature and the frontier aspect. Like, sure. a lot of that has stuck around and that has, you know, toxic elements to it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like bullying might make right and stuff like that. But it also does say a lot about us versus, you know, the need for caste and, you know, extreme right. training that the Japanese mythology tends to say. But the point being all this is, is like, yeah, these things do reflect this stuff and it gives a lot to that backbone of that character. Mm -hmm. So having that I think is engaging if nothing else for the individual character's sake, for the player's sake to, you know, be able to pull themselves into this world mm -hmm. that, you know, is only exists in the spoken word from a GM and three or four or five other people around a table. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's where basically I come in as far as like the Nessa, you know, where I think how I'll define like a good system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's what tends to engage me the most is that ability of balance of, you know, specificity and verisimilitude. Yeah. I think, I think we're all kind of agreed on that, that there should like, uh, I mean, humans are tool using creatures and we, uh, place a great deal of importance to our tools, uh, in our, both our real lives and in our narratives. Um, and so the most satisfying stories to us have that kind of captured the idea the importance of, Hey tools, they're useful. <laughs> you yep. know, we need them. Um, and, but you can obviously get bogged down in the details Oh yeah, and you can get to the point where like, if they, if they're just the same game mechanics wise as a, your shoes or your clothes, then like, then there's no weight to it. You know, yeah. I, I will say one thing that I appreciate about Phoenix command. If yeah. I recall correctly, is because it gets all gun porny like that, but it also does, an insane that insane level of detail for damage like mm -hmm. yes when you finally figure out when the bullet hits it's like well there goes your duodenum and you're like what's that it's like i don't know but it says here on the random roll table that it's gone and you don't play anymore because you've been shot because that's how bullets work yeah <laughs> like and and like but that's the thing like when people argue for this like really simulationist gear aesthetic they rarely argue for it in any kind of symmetrical way like um i've never seen like gun porny guys who complain about like a certain type of heavy pistol not being the type they wanted from the net one edition to shadow run of the next that doesn't explain what kind of lit it doesn't tell you every individual nano opiate and quantum bandage in the healing kit it's still just a box with a cross on it yep. that says rub this on wound make good <laughs> and like no one argues about, like well what type of bandages what kind of sterilizing tools do they have how are there different scalpels do i have a stent is there a clamp like no one talks about uh, what if they have to go on a ventilator what if they mm -hmm. no one gives a shit about that yep. and it's because there's no paramedic rules basically. yeah there's no paramedics rule. but you know what if i was talking to a paramedic they have as much, if not more, like mm -hmm. technical shit. Like same thing if you're like wanna be a hacker. Like the the first edition of Cliff's phase rules for hacking were too complicated, and they're having to simplify that. And yet they're so abstracted as to what actual hacking is that it, it it's nothing but like everyone complains because they don't know it, they can't get, you know, a a drum barrel for their plasma rifle. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. and so that that's the thing. I really think a good gear system is um symmetrical in the way it treats simulation across the board. So like yeah. I look at something like Apocalypse World with the tag system, which is mm -hmm. something I tried to steal for red markets, in that like I want a blade, all right, I have a blade, so I can do blade stuff. 
But I want my blade to be nasty because that's my primary character. So you just write nasty in italics next to it and has this like super basic, easy to remember mechanical function and you're done. Um, and that's kind of what I want. Range to, close, yeah, range far. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's enough for me to characterize mm-hmm. stuff. And that's what I have with the the qualities and the effects and the upgrades in yep. um, Red Markets, I think. But like the other thing is it needs to tell the story you kind of want to tell. So the gear in Red Markets is designed to make you both rely on it entirely and also hate it. Like <laughs> when you run out of fucking charges, you're supposed to be, I hate this fucking gun. And like you should because you have to shoot stuff and it's not fun. <laughs> like yeah. you got to shoot people and they're shooting at you and that's mm-hmm. awful. Like you should resent and loathe it at the same time you entirely depend on it. And that everything in red markets is supposed to do that. It's supposed to be super effective mm-hmm. for an insane cost. So like, that's why the price is not the price. It's the constant price. That's why. Um, and people are like, well, my gun has this many bullets and I'm mm-hmm. going to count every individual one. I'm like, no, c- because you want to do that. That's why it has 10 charges. Yeah. <laughs> because I want you to not like the thing. I want you to resent the thing uh, because it keeps you from being human. Like, uh, and then, uh, and the other people who don't want to even count the 10 upkeep, I'm like, yeah, you should hate it too. <laughs> like, it's stuff you need to live. Like, this is not a fun existence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my gear setting. Yeah. You should tell the story you want to tell. Um, but if you're going to go for any level of simulationist, mm-hmm. Um, the thing you go simulation on is going to put in stark relief the thing you didn't go into simulation on, um, which is always really telling for what your game's about. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, a couple of things. The thing I actually most appreciate about the Red Markets rules is actually that you have item maintenance costs, uh, which no other game really does or very few games do. Uh, and that's kind of the reality of, you know, owning things is that you have to keep paying for it because shit breaks or shit needs to, yeah. you know, they need batteries or whatever to work. And, uh, and people complain about yeah. that. Like, it's like a knife doesn't have an upkeep. Like, it's like, I'm like... Well, it does. It's like, well, I don't, I don't fuel my knife. I'm like, yeah, but like, you got to sharpen it, and that's time, and that's yeah. money. Like, yeah, and like, and, and especially it, on that, like, <clears throat> most people don't know how to sharpen their own knife. Yeah, like they just take it somewhere and get it. Yeah, done. yeah. And then the thing is, is like, uh, people be like, yeah, well, just like a couple days went between this job and the other day, and but I, but uh, I had to pay upkeep. I'm like, yeah, because it's a game system, man. It's abstracting. Yeah, like, and I don't want everyone out there who's you know a gun buddy out there like covered in knives because they have zero upkeep like uh like you're supposed to resent your damn knife like yeah. it's a thing like knives are not fun to use when you need to use them if you're not like cutting yeah, yeah. bailing wire or something yeah <laughs> like yeah um you know one thing i did just realize as we were talking um you know obviously the importance of items varies by genre and you know yeah. we mentioned the tom clancy techno thriller and i realized that there's sort of this you know luto narrative you know dissonance um the between the genre uh that D D is supposed to we think it's supposed to emulate what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's we think it's, you know, the Arthurian, the Lord, you know, uh Excalibur, uh Lord of the Rings, the one ring kind of type of that's that's what we think the magic item is supposed to be. But in D D, what they really are are gadgets in a techno thriller. Uh, and that's why you're loaded down with them because you know you need these these gloves that boost your strength, these boots that make you faster, this armor that makes you stronger or tougher, and you need all you need ten a bandolier of potions and scrolls and all this other shit because you need to be a jack of all trades and to because your GM is going to throw fucking th- you're going to be thrown.
thrown into a hell cube with uh, uh, three dimensional puzzles and monsters and uh, things to get through. And so you need a lot of different uh, tools to solve these problems. But and yeah, like and- to me that those plus items are so lame compared to like the deck of many things mm-hmm. or bags of holding or items that like create stories around them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, I mean, the sword you have to fifth feed edition, with blood yeah. or it starts making you go insane is way more interesting than the sword that gives you plus four. Like, right. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, fifth ed, I think, is going away from that, trying to make them more storytelling based. Mm-hmm. But I think even, you know, in the heydays of Pathfinder and three ed, where you would have like a list of 30 items, you know, for a mid-level character, because you just stack up on everything. So you'd have tons of utility items. Uh, it's closer. D&D is more like you're a, a nice black agents character in a fantasy world. Um, and actually... When I was thinking about the nice black agents, actually, also items are really important in that, but they're very narrative because you certainly used a lot of items in our Tribes of Tokyo campaign. Yeah, um, and that's a game actually you need to play, Jason, because okay. uh, that that's one where your gun knowledge would work into it. Because if you can describe what your gun is, then you would get a bonus techno thriller uh, monologue. Yeah, yeah. okay, um, but but that's the thing yeah. that the yeah. narrative doesn't work unless you can like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, describe it and make it part of the scene like so you can get stuff in night spike agents but it's a matter of spending like contacts and it's like a very easy to do you could and i I could have easily just said i want gun Mm -hmm. but like once you have the thing you do you're not counting bullets individually you're just describing what you can do with the thing but if you want the extra actual narrative bonus aside from being able to do it Mm -hmm. you have to do the techno thriller monologue which will give you a bonus on refresh because you're describing your gun in a cool spy way Uh, you can do the same thing for um driving tests you can describe how cool your driving was um, I know stuff about judo, so I made my character do judo so I could like use the actual Japanese names of stuff and just get points um, for uh, unarmed combat. Like, and it it made like cooler scenes, you know, um, and that's cool. But it's not really the stuff; it's just using the stuff to tell a story about mm-hmm. a world in which like you need things yeah. to do things. And I think that might be a little esoteric, but like. Yeah, you know, I think that's definitely a good way for like people who do enjoy that type of thing. Yeah, it's a dissociated mechanic, certainly. But yeah, you're, but that's my argument. You're always dissociating something. Yeah. What are you dissociating and why? Yeah. Because it's going to have to be abstracted somewhere or it's Phoenix Command. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there, but for the grace of God, go I. (laughs) But I mean, like, Night Spike Agents would be a game where, like, if you spend a point, of uh, human terrain or whatever, You'd be like, oh well, that guy's poor, not maintaining his gun well, so he's obviously he he's wearing he's using very expensive equipment, but he doesn't know how to use it. So this tells you something about the per- that person's character. So you yeah. can gain something from that, for example, um, because um, again, especially in some genres, especially sort of like in the military and the westerns, one like how you use your equipment, how well you take care of it, says something about your character. You know, yeah, oh, but, absolutely, yeah. But yeah. all the stuff in Night Spike Agents turns into a burn notice voiceover which yeah, is yeah. cool like that's a, that's a storytelling <laughs> yeah, yeah, thing yeah, yeah it's not just a thing that's on the mental screen yeah. yeah yeah um so we should probably talk about like some of the good implementations and bad implementations okay. um so i'll i'll go first because let's let's give let's get bad out of the way first okay. you know um and i think the best example for that is going to be kale's already laughing a little bit uh uh riffs uh because it has huge amounts of items in it, the core book and all the supplements. And these items are poorly differentiated at bat. And, and sometimes not at all. Like there, there's just like 
rows of plasma guns with near identical stats, different names. And there it's clearly padding for the book. You know, if you can do 30 line drawings of plasma and light laser rifles and just like, Oh, this one does 66 damage and costs 30,000 credits. This one does 46 damage, but has a, you can do a three burst thing and <laughs> three round burst on it. And it costs 34,000. By know? the way, shout yeah. out to Chris and Patsy who are both fantastic artists. Chris yeah. has done all the maps for all the red market stuff and a bunch of art in the book and patsy is constantly doing stuff for rppr but they both slogged through the line drawings of the inventory <laughs> items and i know that is not a fun day at yeah. the old drafting table <laughs> i do i do like it yeah the, the item art in red markets is pretty fun i do no like, I, yeah. I love it they yeah. did a great job but like they also did like 200 of them. yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah. by the end of it it's like oh god <laughs> no I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, we're we're almost there. Yeah. Just weeping. Um, at the table. Also, like on more important items like power armor and robot suits, it's just like stats you don't need, like you don't need to know the MDC of its left wing, you know, or its foot or whatever. Because everyone just attacks the main body MDC, you know, when you're when you're dealing with damage. And every time it says, Oh, black market costs fifty four million credits, and then of course there's you know, uh no way player characters start with like five thousand credits. So like outside of GM fiat, there's no way player characters could ever afford these items at, unless they steal them. And so there's just hundreds of these power armor and robot suits in these games that are cost more than player characters could ever get normally, ex- except through GM fiat. And I, I mean, I'll be honest, I really want to do like some sort of mech warrior game, mm-hmm. but like I can't think of a way to do it that's oh, not just gear Have you looked porny. at Lancer yet? Uh, I haven't looked at Lancer yet. So Lancer is from uh, the team that does uh, Kill Six Billion Demons. Uh, so same art, same incredibly beautiful art, but it's set in a post-scarcity future where you have 3D printers. So if your mech gets damaged, you can just go back to a forge and have it printed a new one in a week. So your items, instead of items, you have licenses. There are these corporations or these um, that design uh, 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 new mechs. And in order, and if you... Ex- your pilot gets enough experience or so- uh, somehow is worthy to get a new license, you can now print out this new mech. Uh, so if you want to transport to a new world, you just, you know, go through the jump game, then have them print you a new mech. Um, and it's, uh, there's a full game of it. There, there's a pre-release version available as a PDF, but it's like, that. I love that idea of just like, Oh, just, Oh, my mech's blown up. I'll just print a new one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, but like, I, my understanding, and I know it's limited. I'm not saying Ava yeah. or any of the big robot animes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my understanding is that like the point of them is that they can be customizable and cool. I know that's what I loved about games like Armored Core and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, but when you go down that road, it becomes gun porn shoppy. Like, well, I think I mean, my left yeah, one yeah. should have. Uh, micro missiles, but my right shoulder should have a 50 caliber. So I'm going to bring up a concept, um, that, uh, you, you mentioned there are there. Have you heard the term blue booking in RPGs? No, uh, blue booking, uh, was first described in a champion sub, uh, supplement back in the eighties. That makes sense. Uh, But it describes short gaming sessions uh, that do not involve the entire group, but which instead focus on the actions of one or a few characters. So like this is um, someone like this is the shopping spree. You do this in between main games with maybe you and just the GM or you and another player, but it can also involve role playing things. And so um, the idea is, yeah, you, you can customize your mech in between game sessions. And so that's called blue booking. Yeah. And so now, you know, huh. um, but yeah, in Lancer, of course you can customize your mech. You can, you know, you have so many weapon mounts and you can do that kind of thing. Um, um, and again, yeah, customizing and optimizing a mech for battle is 
some players really like it. It's kind of yeah. Like, the combat yeah. system would have to be so cool, and yeah, I don't. I think definitely want to try. Combat out systems Lancer. are cool, including yeah. the one I designed. So. Do you have any experience <laughs> with the mech uh, RPGs or games? Um, uh, yeah, actually, um, I don't think a, it was a. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just saying, James. I was asking yeah. James. <laughs> uh, yeah, the. Uh, I'd have to go dig it up. I still have mm-hmm. the rule book for it, but it is one of the Mech Warrior. Not it's not Robotech it, or uh, not Robotech. Um, shoot, Battletech. Battletech. Yeah, it's not Battletech. It's actually Mech Warrior. So it's yeah, after yeah. they kind of made that transition with the video mm-hmm. games and the novel novelizations. I had that. Uh, that was my first experience actually GMing. Was mm-hmm. trying to run those games in like middle school. I mean, those are more school. like war games than anything else. Like that. Well, mostly they are. This is actually an RPG though. Yeah, this is a straight up RPG. So it's more about being a pilot, and then like it's got very down and dirty mech combat rules. Cause it has only maybe a dozen of the mechs with their kind of predetermined loadouts. So you don't get the gun pointing customization. So it's a lot more about, you know, the, um, trying to get into the interesting backstory of these story <laughs> worlds and kind of the, the warrior. It's back when the, like the elemental yeah. clans were really big and everything or fighting them. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Like, yeah. So there's a lot of aspects to it. And yeah, I mean, a, a fairly crunchy system, uh, what sticks out to me, uh, not has nothing to do with our topic, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's religion system. Um, and picking out religions for your character and like Scientology has a big blurb in it. It's like, there's no <laughs> way Scientology stuck around into this <laughs> hyper warrior culture, like, you know, yeah. like now, like <laughs> no, but it cracked me up a lot. Yeah, I can't. I can't go to war. I have to go audit my fate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I, so yeah, no, I have a little experience with that, and yeah, its combat system was very down and dirty as far as the Mexico. But I, I think the disappointment for us because we were fans of the video game was we wanted that. Like again, you, you know, wanted to be able to customize. Your yeah, we wanted stuff. we wanted the gun porniness, and yeah, as as Caleb said, you know, looking at this now, like it is, it would just be a royal mess. Um, I would still probably do it just for you know that that one moment of sheer glee of mm-hmm. getting to like you know correctly narrate just this one <laughs> awesome battle. But I know that it would just be the biggest, like the, the notes that everyone would have to be taking as far as everything just sounds unbearable. <laughs> like I, yeah. I'd want to do it because, like in in the second Takeshi Kovacs book, it starts off when he's on the actual battlefield before he dies for like the umpteenth million times, mm-hmm. and it's the most Gonzo over the top war description I've ever read. Like because it's future war, so it's like, yeah, this division was eaten by a nano plague, and I had to shoot my captain because he wouldn't stay because he got syphilitic shrapnel. And like, it's just like this insane, like everything's biological techno murder, like the ground itself is weaponized, like, you know, it's carnivorous dirt and like all sorts of like crazy shit going on around you. And I'd be like, yeah, I'd, I'd, that'd be like an utterly crazy thing to do a do a fighting game in, but mm-hmm. like, you'd need a good combat system. And like, I do not want to do that simulation is crap yeah. for a large amount of time because you know, it's really hard to design those combat systems. And I don't think I'm mm-hmm. up to it, even if like, and maybe one day, but you know, but that's the thing. Like, I, I really think you need a narrative idea and then a gear system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you don't need a gear system. Sure. Then a game around. It. <laughs> and I think that happens sometimes. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I think, uh, if we're, we're moving on to mm-hmm. like, criticisms, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know we've already beat on Phoenix command a bit, but like, <laughs> having dug through it, like, yeah, like that is exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It it has in the back of the rule book, it has a supplemental section for um kind of building your, you know, shitty um, you know, brush fire war, 
you know, proxy being fought by small special operations units against insurgents and whatnot and all this nonsense. It even has a, a science fiction uh, supplement. Um, yeah, Living Steel. Yeah. Um, Shane Ivey told me he played it back in the years. I'm like, what? You know? <laughs> God, you poor man. You know? But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that, and for me, uh, the biggest thing with Phoenix Command, obviously it, it would be slow and narratively unfulfilling unless that's exactly what you, what you want to do. Is I think, I mean, Phoenix role. Command, again, like but, I think the person who designed it later later moved on to nasa to right. work as a rocket scientist yeah. like it, it's very designed for part- particular mindset yeah and yeah. and this is I, I i do want to compliment like it, it you know the the detail and um time spent to actually be honest because i mean mm-hmm. I, again as someone who's actually seen what bullets actually do to human flesh like yeah, watching a Tarantino movie where someone gets shot with a shotgun and flies a mile away is just one of the most obnoxious things you've ever seen <laughs> yeah. in your entire life. But but there's escapism to it, so it's like, okay, well, at least it's not real, so I don't have to like think about the real actions. Yeah, yeah. And this game, you know, definitely allows that with its 269, I believe, hit locations and <laughs> you know its variety of rounds and and their. Yeah, we could break. I could go dig out my copy. We could go and yeah. Right. Well, I mean, not to pick on guns. I mean, guns can defend themselves, but yeah. like. Uh, <laughs> to use it to use another example continuum like yeah i believe that's how time travel actually works like that is shit is standing out games unplayable yeah. completely unplayable nonsense. you cannot bring it to a table but like if time travels gear that's simulation is as hell but like as a result you can't get it to it or like to use phoenix command you take something like a level back but like uh like Twilight 2000, like I've read up on the setting. It's pretty cool. Like the, yep. the 20 seconds in the future, at least when it was written. Mm-hmm. And like, it's interesting. And you're doing all this geopolitical stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like j- just this side of like tabletop Arma in terms of like uh, simulation. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody played it. <laughs> no, actually, well, during the 80s. During the 80s it did, yeah, but yeah. nobody plays it now. Like, yeah. Because it's like how many how many bullets are left in my magazine? You know, we did a game of it the, on RPPR. Yeah, you yeah. did it. It apparently took a very long time. It to took a long time back. because it, what broke down was the, like figuring out machine gun bursts and like, okay, there it is. how there many it is. bullets do I put to this guy and then this guy and then this guy? And do I have to spin an extra bolt to walk the gun from one yep. to the next? Yep. And like it like, and he just, the GM, Blossom could not get the rate of fire rules right. Like we apparently we screwed it up. So. Or, not, or not do what I would have yeah. done. Fuck it. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. because yeah. what is the point of slowing down a gunfight, which yeah. should be a climactic moment in the narrative, to flip around through a manual? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So. And, and like Phoenix Command has like, you know, uh, not just obviously it has wind rules. Everyone's kind of infamously knows. Yeah. Like yeah. The Windage. Curve, the bullet, yeah. The wind, the wind and uh, Coriolis effect stuff. But like <laughs> uh, when you're using 40 millimeter grenade launchers, which it has two of. Um, you know, the comm block and the NATO issue with variants. Yeah. You have, you know, rules for determining if the round, you know, if the charge was good in the round. So like, you know, does it, <laughs> oh is it, God. does it short? Does it long? Does it hit where you wanted? You know, yeah. how, you know, so you have to like, you have do to you roll calculate to like, every individual piece of you do that for you, shot- do, you, you, do, you do not do that. <laughs> it does not go that far, but you do yeah, that for no, pellets, like, shotgun get, pellets. I do know that you do get, you do get a, <laughs> yeah, you get this issue with that. And I think Ed, Ed, to, to, kind of wrap up you know that as far as why it's not good diving into the narrative focus of it mm-hmm. phoenix command has a near literal jane's anthology of who's who used of weaponry used by com block and nato in mm-hmm. 1982 <laughs> um including stuff that 
didn't technically actually end up working out. It has an H and KG 11 in there and statted out and that gun doesn't work. It never worked and it never will work. It's, 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 it's a cool thing that Hollywood uses for props now. Um, and that dates it. And so that limits the narrative focus. So, you know, moving beyond the gun portiness of it, like it is set in a distinct moment in the world and mm-hmm. that is where it's effective and you could push it maybe five to 10 years one way or the other. But like, yeah, more or less, it is it is a product of exactly when it was made, and thus that limits how much narrative flexibility you have to it. Like, the, the, we can talk about the mechanical rules all day, and like, honestly, you mm-hmm. could steal it even if it uh, would make your life a living hell. But like, as it is written, with what it has, with what you're presented in your book, and and its loot system, yeah, it is. It's it's very much uh, what happened if you know the Berlin Wall didn't come down. You know. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at let's look at like the Cold mm-hmm. War going hot. Let's look at brush fire wars. Let's look at all this type of stuff in the 1980s, and that's it. And so again, like for me, I I like the verisimilitude of looking at this type of stuff and feeling like I'm in there. But it's only I could only be you know somebody in the 1980s waging armed conflict, and like yeah, that's just there's just not enough fun games you could tell. I feel. I mean, yeah. you know, you, mm-hmm. you can spy thrills and stuff are great from the 80s. You know, like mm-hmm. like people were still making money off making movies and setting that time frame. Yeah. But like, yeah, you know, how many narratives can you write like based around just being some Navy SEALs fighting and you know working alongside Contras and you know South America or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's extremely limited and thus it kills the narrative. Continuing our fourth Grenada campaign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you know, we created every actual battle in well, it's, it's less the tedium yeah. for me, and it's more just like yeah, yeah, it's right here of like yeah, no, this is locked in, and thus you may tell this many stories, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. yeah, I think that's when the loot system fails when it locks you to your you know your one specific thing, and that's your story, and you have to keep retelling that story over and over again. It's like well, yeah, yeah, actually, Knights Black Agent, uh, it's not with the guns, but like they have the skill called human terrain, and that's like was very much a product of the Iraq War, where the U.S. Army is bringing in anthropologists to try and study the Iraqi people and try and figure this stuff out. They don't use that term anymore. So, like, that that term's been disused for, like, six years at least or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of dating Knights Black Agent. Um, but, I mean, that's a good point. Like, accuracy is important in a, in a, in your – if you're going super simulation, you better be accurate, you yeah. know, because otherwise you're going to break the one thing you're trying to be good at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also talks about genre, too, because, you know, one thing um, – we're talking about these super accurate, super simulations things in one particular way, like trying to emulate the real world. But there are other games that try and emulate specific genres in a very particular way. Like, uh, I know you mentioned in our discussion before the show, uh, feng shui, uh, yeah, and yeah, feng shui too. And honestly, like, that's yeah, the way yeah. to go. Cause that's yeah. story first. Yeah. And you, so yeah. even though, you know, a lot about guns, you're not bothered by the fact you can keep shooting feng shui until you roll like a miss or something like that. Or like, oh yeah. No, like it has a great you don't count bullets. It's got a great gun porny list. Yeah. Um, so it's nice for, again, like I, I can, you know, um, like the, the lobby shooting spree in the matrix is just mm-hmm. one of the, highlight moments of my childhood. And this is how <laughs> sad of a human being I am because that was the first time I really got to see a fantasy shootout with guns. I liked yeah. and I was very happy and, and you know, loved that. It's a great action. Scene, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a definitive thing, but yeah. like for me specifically and yeah, ignoring the special effects, the ridiculous choreography, the fight training, everything that these people worked so hard on. I'm just like, damn, they picked something good there instead of just lame-ass choices. Man, that makes me feel good. That's how Feng Shui 2 is. Like, their weapon descriptions are fucking asinine and insulting. Like, almost to a d- degree of making, like, rage. But 
they're accurate for genre and like and in that sense it, there's this you know just joy to it and mm-hmm. it's so simple and again and you know as far as loot system goes for the most part you pick a character class or an mm-hmm. archetype uh, i don't remember what the term they use is you get the things and that's it and every yeah. character is well accoutrement and you can get more stuff i remember you know um yeah you can always well one thing yeah. they have that sort of um the the thing i was referring to is the fact that like the reload they don't like you don't count bullets or shots or whatever right. you yeah. just keep firing until it's dramatically appropriate you for you to be out of bullets yeah and I, you pick up a new gun the person yeah. who can watch hard-boiled like hospital shootout scene and be like yeah. mm, that's not it's called a magazine not a clip like that I, that person's a psychopath. Like <laughs> they have like dead people in their basement, like yeah. cut into piece. Like that's not a human reaction to that kind of stuff. Like you should like, I don't care if you actually know about the thing. Like if you don't find it enjoyable, that's fine. But you're like, mm, no physics. That one, like no one wants that guy. Like no one wants to be the guy in star Wars is like, well, that laser sword would be infinite and cut into the episode. <laughs> like, but in for some reason, for certain like topics, like that's fucking acceptable in the RPG industry to be that like, well, the six million dollar man's shoulder better be cybernetic too, or it's gonna rip him in half when he lifts that. Like, thanks for coming over, Tim. Like, we're all having a great time watching the fucking show now. Like, but it's like totally acceptable with certain stuff in the RPG area, and I, I really think that now that we've moved towards yeah. genre emulation, I am Detective Tequila. I don't aim so much as swing guns and they yeah. hurt people. <laughs> like, who hurt you, Caleb? I, I'm just tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> tell me I'm, I'm wrong just, about just this. Who hurt, they can't hurt you anymore, Caleb. <laughs> it's okay. You're, you're you're safe now. Um, I know. I, I agree. I just um, I really do think that those the, the but Feng Shui does have these mechanics that emulate that the hardball you can keep firing yeah. for a long time, or you just pick it and there's always a new gun to pick up. Yeah. Um, and those shotguns and hard boiled have like <laughs> 30 fucking slugs in them. Yeah. Like, they, they, they should be running around with like drum clips or like backpacks feeding more. Into- but yeah, so that I think that's a good implementation of item rules yeah, because absolutely. they're, they're appropriate to the genre, but yeah. you know, cause that they're trying to be like that, that type of action movie, not necessarily, definitely not reality. Oh so, yeah. 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 <laughs> There's no simulation whatsoever, but it is, it's, yeah. it's very satisfying to someone who care, who, genuinely gets into it yeah. and like you know knows enough to be able and, to recognize what and the same things about. like for like hema like mm-hmm. they're they're you know no one's trying the thing is very few people are like freaking out about dnd because it's not accurately like modeling Teutonic longsword techniques or yeah. something yeah. Versus, like that versus scimitar fighting yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, dnd is like, its own thing at this point like it's yeah. its own genre like it doesn't it doesn't emulate any other fantasy genre it's its own thing yeah. like at this thing it's not lord of the rings anymore but, but that's the thing like yeah. i think everything should be its own thing and yeah. i think that's the sign of a good item list so like yeah. uh you know it's very light, but I like the way most apocalypse games do items. Yeah, like, yeah you mentioned yeah the tags. Yeah, yeah, the tag system or uh, Blades in the Dark is fine too mm-hmm. for that end. And you know, yeah, Blades in the Dark is interesting too because it's not even just like tags; it's also like here's your menu of the items that you can possibly start out with, and that's yeah. it. Like, and so you're just limited to what what can fit on that one little section of your character sheet. And, and it's not endless shopping. There's yeah, no yeah. necessary blue booking. Or if you want yeah. something else on top of that, it becomes part of the story, yeah. and you have to go get it together. Um, and or that, spend downtime. Uh, doing or spend it. downtime doing it. To and craft that, it or whatever. And that's interesting because it's all part of the yeah. narrative. I, and so, like, I honestly think we're we're really beyond this. I don't know, like... 
you know, I, I'm looked down on by many in the indie community for having a gear list at all in red yeah. markets. Like, you know, I am Phoenix command to 95% of the people at the IGD and booth selling it with me. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm Walter from the big Lebowski to these people. <laughs> like I, I'm as, you know, the far right gun nut in yeah. IGD as they're like, our story is about dreams, <laughs> uh, your snakes building a home. Like that kind of, I'm like, all right, cool, but yeah, uh, but I, so I don't think this is as big as a problem. But it is left over from the eighties. I don't 90s. think it's a problem. I mean, because it's just like a difference of things. Because again, good gear rules, good item rules. Yeah, but what I'm it. saying is, I don't yeah. see a lot of like bad gear rules coming out in the modern era. Do you guys like? Um, I, do I think see- even D and D's moving kind of away from it. I, I mean, yeah. Pathfinder's too much for me. Like, yeah. I'll be honest there. Like, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of games that I haven't bought, but I'll like look at game stores and they do have a lot of like items and like, I feel they're creeping more towards the rift side of the spectrum. <laughs> so, yeah. um, certainly there's a lot of, you know, de- you know, fancy heartbreakers that still have a lot of magic items, uh, that I feel maybe are unnecessary. Um, I don't know. I do, you know, we, uh, Jason and I have been playing a lot of, uh, we actually picked up wrath and glory and we're, we're continuing to play it. <laughs> I think it does items it's, well in it. It's good, Caleb. Is there a Harkonnen diaper? Uh, I mean, we could make one. Game's trash. Throw, yeah. it, in the, <laughs> throw it in the bin. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the tax system, and, like, they're taking advantage of that. And yeah. I think that really helps because it – I think it leans a little bit right on this on the spectrum towards, you know, Rips. Heavier, and the, yeah, 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 Phoenix Command, yeah. it You know, and that, and that's a little necessary for the setting because – Well, it's appropriate for the setting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a – you know, it, it, it this is a, a war game where, like, your individual, like – Spec plastic details on these miniatures matter. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, you know, even when you have thirty or forty of them on a table. So, like anyone who jumps into this is probably going to want that. And this has that level of like, you know, the the table list is like you know this log, and it's just like page after page after page. But you know, they have a pretty base set of how to roll, what it does, and then mm-hmm. the tags, which allow it to be you know. Yeah. All right. So this this is how it affects stuff because we have a very in depth lore as far as how damage must be dealt because everything is so genetically altered to mm-hmm. to deal and resist death. Like, well, I mean, I feel like the one thing the gear list isn't incredibly long. I mean, it's like thirty pages, but like it's again like a it's a it's a fairly thick book. Yeah, who yeah. have a gear list that long? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like items, the items that they have all are all different. Like they're all very. I think a. a like riffs is bad in part because they have so many items that are basically nearly identical. Like there's, there's yeah, no, there's no point of having them, but every item in wrath and glory is different. Like um, in the last session we played, it actually mattered because um, Tom's character uh, who's playing an orc psychic um, actually was managed to one shot uh, a monster. Well, not only because he rolled well, because of the, the, his one weapon was a, a anti site, you know, as a force weapon yeah. and the one orc, uh, the one orc weapon that is a force weapon, so it could do a lot more damage to uh, uh, the demon that he was fighting. So, like yeah. that, so that I feel like having items, having a lot of items is fine as long as they're actually yeah, significant choices. Is bad. Yeah, redundancy yeah. is bad. Um, because that's, you know, having certain items is another way, especially if you don't have a game that has class systems, mm-hmm. which is more and more prevalent as well. It's right. another way to achieve niche protection. Yeah. 
Like I'm. The how only, do you define your? I'm the you only separate? one who can use the heavy rifle. I mean, you were, you were just mentioning it earlier yeah. with the Red Market's chainsaw thing that, like, you know, yeah. you could be chainsaw guy, and that's your that's your type. Yeah, now. you're the idiot. You're the idiot. <laughs> yeah. But you're not just an idiot. You're a chainsaw. You're idiot. that guy we hired for that one session until he died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that that's like an interesting choice. Uh, so at least it's not redundant. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, so I think Wrath and Glory is actually a pretty good, and also the reload rules are good too because, like, they're a little. Um, you spin reloads essentially to gain a bonus on an attack, and you only have so many to go around. And if you crit fail, you uh, lose. You know, you lose a reload, so you yep. can run out of ammo. But you, again, you're not counting shots. Yeah. So, um, in fact, I kind of, I if I if I was going to do anything, I would actually add a little more to Wrath and Glory rules in terms of the items because one thing in Warhammer 40k is that you have. Um, items that are centuries or thousands of years old that are in service. These, you yeah, know, hero like, weapons. Yeah, stuff. well, not just hero weapons. It's just like this bolter has been was served, you know, with this space marine, then this space marine, then this rogue trader, oh and God. this, and well, like yeah. I mean, that's a, like a, like Warhammer's trying to do this sort of pseudo medieval thing, and like yeah. that was a big thing in the Middle Ages. Like this sword was in this service of yeah, this knight, the and then this knight, yeah, and then the yeah, weapons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like that that would be an interesting story angle to have. Like, oh, now I've got to protect this bolter because if I'm going to be the asshole who loses the ancestral bolter, which real war there that way, yeah, We're just yeah. like go oh, give the captain the. Winthrop's blunderbuss and he's out there. <laughs> the other guys have saws and he's just like It's a really powerful shotgun. This gun is super old. Yeah, if the blunderbuss could take out like a uh, uh, a technical like that would actually be worth it. A funny anecdote. Yeah. Um we were helping construct uh, a new roadway out of Iran um, mm-hmm. to help feed trade into Afghanistan. And uh the 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 he wasn't a shake or a tribal or anything like that. He's just a dude who was in charge of it. Yeah. He gave as a, as a side of uh, uh, respect and, and their intention to move forward for prosperity for Afghanistan with NATO assistance. He gave my Lieutenant his single shot breech loaded <laughs> shotgun that he carried in the, in the Russo Afghan war. It's completely decorated in gold rivets and stuff. It's just the most gaudy thing ever. <laughs> and he's like, I bestow upon you my grand weapon. I have killed many Russians with, <laughs> One what? at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Now imagine if that shotgun was actually really had really good combat. Exactly. Sets. And yeah. Then, like, no, like everyone would want to be using that shotgun. Yep. Like, uh, yeah. But only RPGs and like Bass Pro's gun show works. Like, <laughs> you know, weapons are like fine wine. The oldest is the best. Like. <laughs> Uh, this is an artisanal musket, you know. It'll do yeah, eight hundred mega damage mm-hmm. compared to your <laughs> paltry nine millimeter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, and, and of course, uh, you know, base raiders items can um be uh sort of personality traits as in fate, but like you can't stat them out as separate things, and like um, I find that um. Yeah, kind of interesting because I mean, part of base raiders is this whole superhero thing, and so like, what happens if someone else gets Green Lantern's ring or whatever, yeah. um, and or what if someone figures out how to ma- you know mass produce Green Lantern rings and starts selling them in the black market, you know, um, and um, so post scarcity economy, yeah, awesome, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that that that's the campaign, <laughs> yeah, uh, or it's about a corporation that owns corn, you know, uh, <laughs> something like that. Um, own corn. Yeah, all of it. 
<laughs> one now the one the one game oh the one game i do want to bring up though as sort of like is this good or bad uh or kind of mix is eclipse phase because eclipse phase first edition does get a lot of flack i feel for its item stuff uh, it, items it, it go, it's a little extra it uh. is a little extra um because they also i mean they 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 did separate price into just categories from like low f- high to super expensive um and I felt that was good instead of having like a thousand different price lists and then like trying to manage your credits and all that yeah, other stuff. Right. Um, because it also converts into a favor, you know, in an mm-hmm. anarchist commune. Um, but the, I mean, part of what a close phase is trying to be is like a techno thriller in, you know, a nanotechnology future. So yeah. like you kind of do need a lot of cool spy gadgets because you can't just fade it, you know, or, and, and yeah. it is very sci-fi a lot of the times. Yeah. Like there are just guns, but then there's like, microwave guns disassembling and, like, nanoswarms. disassembling nanoswarms and like different types yeah. of nanoswarms and, like, our yeah. last one shot i had a gun that just changed into other guns yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah you can do that too um so yeah that that was with second edition so um i don't know if you either of you had a chance to look at the second ed item i haven't that. had a chance yeah. yet uh are are there any hopes for what you uh what you would improve for, for sec, uh, second ed or uh in just in general uh yeah, I mean the the action economy gets a little clustered, especially with like mm-hmm. you know when you're when you have uh, wired reflexes. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and like full auto thing. And I, drugs. I, I know my triad guy was like <laughs> expend dual wielding SMGs and like putting two magazines of out of each gun downrange every turn or something ridiculous like that. Uh, because, you know, once we learned to write for them, we started, uh, I could learn to munchkin the system pretty bad. <laughs> Nothing's as good as printing cheap uh, drones and using them as kinetic kill weapons. <laughs> yeah, the crash, yeah, I do want to see how those crash uh, damage tables work. Because, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, my, that was my favorite thing I've ever realized freelancing. is like, wait, couldn't I just build saucer drones and do like 200 damage at a shot. And they're like, yeah, shit. <laughs> we should probably fix that. Yeah. And I'm like, can't hear you printing saucer drones. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Jason, did you have a chance to look at them at all? I did. Or? I okay, did actually. Yeah. yeah. I did get to flip through uh, the gear list uh, when we were prepping for that one shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I have a very limited experience with, with first ed. I played sure. one one shot with you and basically I just took a pre-gen and looked at my gear list and was like, oh gosh, this guy is like Arnold Schwarzenegger in commando. Like, yeah. I'm cool with this, but this is <laughs> this is pretty excessive. Um, even for my standards. Uh but yeah, so flipping through those the, the gear list and, and stuff, yeah, I felt like it was pretty I felt like it was pretty straightforward, especially coming from the, what I saw looking at, you know, pre-gens and, and quick rule guides from the first gen from the first ed. Um, and just how thick it was into this, which is, you know, much more streamlined. Here's a category here. They are from like, you know, like you said, like, you know, going from, you know, kind of scarcity mm-hmm. model and like damage capabilities. And it's like, okay, this is fairly straightforward. Like I don't know the setting as well as you guys do, obviously, cause you're yeah. right for this and been playing <laughs> and played huge campaigns of it. Um, it was a, it was a slow burn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we yeah. had it for like two a year or two it was a year we even got the yeah the courage to i got it when it first came out and then i was too scared to run it for a year until <laughs> i was like fuck it let's just do it yeah wasn't it yeah wasn't that campaign like you guys's campaign that's well we did a couple one shots like first 20, like 23 uh, yeah, episodes was, or something like that so uh, and we still were getting shit wrong in episode 23 yeah <laughs> uh yeah no evil yeah we were definitely don't listen to it for you know fidelity to the rules <laughs> yeah um, uh but yeah yeah so yeah. yeah i think flipping through it it was 
fairly straightforward. I just didn't, you know, mm-hmm. again, going back to kind of where my focus tends to lie as far as like, you know, engaging with my character and, and kind of the various yeah. multitudes type stuff. I didn't know what, you know, differentiation I'm seeing other than dice rolling mm-hmm. and, and modifiers that I'm looking at. So, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean, that was, I felt fairly straightforward and easy to do. I mean, to some of the I feel like character gym. Yeah. I feel at the best, not only does the do good item rules, uh, help expand the genre, the type of narrative that you're wanting to tell through things like reload rules or the fun tray rules. Yeah. Uh, but also items provide a way to help, help define, uh, parts of your character and also and one thing about items is they let you re sort of calibrate your character later on as your character yeah. you know gets more experience or gains more power in the setting you can get better you know a better category of items or if you feel like you're changing like if you're like oh uh, my super badass character you know, uh, suffered, uh, a lot in battle. So now he's going to give up weapons and he's going to become like a utility character. So he's going to, you know, carry non-combat things or, um, or the vice versa. I was yeah. a peaceful character, but then they pissed me off. So let's get that shotgun, you know, or whatever. That's, that's um, been my negotiator because the, items uh, are extrinsic <laughs> to your character. So it's a lot e- in most RPGs. You don't have ways to like rebuild your character in the middle yeah. of a campaign. Yeah. Your skills are set, but like you can always get new items and, uh, sell your old ones, get new ones. So it'll, allows people to like change their character in the middle of a game so um and like you know batman without his items is batman but it's a changed batman so like it 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 tells a different kind of story and makes it more a different kind of narrative so yeah i feel those are the things you should be looking for in item rules but um not the riffs here's 50 pages of robots that you can't buy ever yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah uh here's shit about their manufacturer that doesn't matter because who cares uh anyways uh here's we- anything at all called a glitter boy <laughs> <laughs> whoa unironically going after the glitter boys uh just shooting with both barrels <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry i really slaughtered a sacred cow there <laughs> <laughs> all right when we get back we'll have uh shout outs and anecdotes And we're back. Uh, I don't know what music I'm going to be using. Uh, it will probably... We do. It may be Synthwave this time. Mm. Yeah, what? Will it be something that doesn't end in wave? Uh, does music like that exist? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm confused and enraged. <laughs> uh, actually, I did use Symphonic Metal in a recent Patreon episode. This episode, though? No, no, no. Yeah, it's <laughs> It was, okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, shout outs. Uh, first off, um, speaking of zombies, since we've been talking about road markets, uh, there's a really good series on Netflix that uh, you all should watch called Kingdom. Kingdom is so good. <laughs> Kingdom is quite good. It is medieval uh, Korea, the Joseon period, apparently, uh, right after, uh, or a couple of years, apparently, after uh, Japan invaded and... Uh, and, um, you know, things are not going great in the Imperial court or the, and not the Imperial, but you know, the Royal court of the, the Korean kingdom. And, uh, cause the King turns out to be a zombie and, uh, then the zombies start spreading, uh, best, yeah. best beginning to a zombie outbreak I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Such a fucked up vector for a yeah. zombie outbreak. So convoluted. So great. Also, um, Vector outbreaks really suck when you have nothing but medieval Korean weapons. Yeah. Is what I've learned. Uh, yeah. 
the current and the zombies are pretty interesting too. There's a couple of twists to them. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens in season two because there's there's twists in turn. And of course, there's still royal intrigue. It's very Game of Thrones kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, half spy thriller, half yeah uh, medieval battle thing, and then yep. there's zombies in it. Yeah, it's it's great. I love it. Yep. If it doesn't get renewed, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> I really want another season of Kingdom, like, yeah. now. Yeah. And uh, the hats. Yeah. Oh, the, Ross, the hats. The hats are actually... The hat game is <laughs> on point. It's like the royal wedding every day in I, Medieval I Korea. never thought there would be <laughs> anything in the universe that have better hats than Team Fortress 2, but we've we've arrived there. It's it's Kingdom. Those Korean hats. What a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you? Um, and we all have a Netflix series to talk about, apparently. Uh, so, Jason, what? Uh, yeah, so I just finished up The Order. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, stop me if you've heard this before. It's kind of a YA, like, magic school-esque story dealing with uh, magic practitioners versus werewolves. Uh, so, yeah, please don't be turned off by this, though. The trailer for it, it was pretty good. Got me excited. And the trailer actually does not do a good job of actually revealing the story at all. So, yeah, no, like the actual kind of twists and turns and, you know, some unusual takes on the genre because my wife, this is her guilty pleasure. So I watch a lot of Supernatural YA um, (laughs) in my day to day life because Renee, uh, yeah, that's what Renee does. Uh, Yeah, this one is definitely interesting. And, you know, the cast is it's a lot of pretty new young actors. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're not you know, they're not bad. They're not great. Like some of them have some great moments. Some of them have some wince moments. But the supporting cast includes Catherine Isabel and Max Martini. And if either of those names get you excited as they get me excited, then this is definitely something you need to sit and watch the 10 episodes of the initial run on. This is more of like a monster of the week kind of uh show. No, it's not. It's, it's okay. very, it's, it's, um, I, I, Harry Potter was initially my read on it, but it's mm-hmm. not because it's more well, it's of a, college it's age. More, right? Yeah. It's college age. And it's more of like a secret order thing. So yeah, more yeah. skulls, but magic. Okay. And, um, with a little, not not in a bad way when I say this, a little bit of a Twilight-esque thing with like two kind of competing societies mm-hmm. um, going against each other. But to get too much more into it, I think, spoil it personally, sure. because like, yeah, the trailer sells one thing where it's like, oh, there are a bunch of witches that hunt werewolves. That's not inherently what you actually get. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I I thought it was worth the ride. I enjoyed the the, the 10 episode streak on that one. And nice. Again, Catherine Isabel, Ginger Snaps, you know, if you like all those like kind of the great but very low grade werewolf movies. <laughs> yeah, no. She's here. Awesome. Max Martini, he's the soldier in every movie ever <laughs> of the last like 10 years. So, yeah, if you know this guy, yeah, not getting to see him show up and do something other than be a soldier. Oh yeah. No, gave me <laughs> gave me chills. Loved it. <laughs> nice. Uh Caleb, uh uh, Umbrella Academy is okay. Yeah. <laughs> How did you describe it's it? It's fine. Uh, it's 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 the Wes Anderson X Men. That's yeah. not the SNL joke, <laughs> uh, which is basically what the comic book is. Yeah, but, uh, they just string it out. Have you read the comic too? I, I, I've yeah, read, I've read it. Is it? I've heard that it's better than the comic. Uh, no, they just they try and expand on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is really glossed over in the comic, and they also gloss over it too. But it becomes more artful, mm. like artfully left out. Yeah. Um. They add a couple characters. Uh. It's a. L- There's some Gonzoist, but the comic the comic is way more Gonzo and insane. Um. Because they have these flashbacks, and that those would be expensive, so Netflix doesn't film those. Right. But it is very talky. But the thing is, all Netflix shows are talky. Uh, but it doesn't feel like padding in the Umbrella Academy because they're really not doing a whole lot of let's get up and go adventure. Like they're sad 
broken wrecks of human beings. (laughs) And so they just have, you know, interpersonal drama and it doesn't feel like bullshit to stop paying for more fight scenes. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Cool. Uh, Speaking of, I don't know, depressing things or I don't know, uh, uh, overwrought dramas. uh, Well, whatever. Devotion uh, is a video game I played uh, uh, recently. Uh, I don't know if it's actually it was taken off Steam for a little bit. I don't know if it's uh, still back on off the check. Uh, It's a Taiwanese video game. Uh, It's first person, but it is a survival. Well, a horror puzzle game. Uh, where you're trapped in this uh, apartment building in Tai in Taipei for in like the 1980s, and you're bouncing and you're following this family story between three different years, 1980, 1985, and 1986, and trying to find out what happened to them. And of course, then you figure out who you are and what your relation is, and all this other you know stuff. And it's a beautiful game, uh, incredible visuals, uh, great soundtrack, and very spooky. And it gets into Taiwanese folklore and occultism and Taiwanese cults. You know, like they have their own fucked up cults there too. You know, it's then <laughs> new age medicine bullshit. Uh, that like really okay. That that's yeah. That's uh, but it was taken off Steam recently because of a controversy where uh, one of the animators, one of the artists, left behind a meme that uh, pokes fun at the Chinese premiere, comparing them to Winnie the Pooh, and that pissed off a lot of people in China, uh, in the mainland. Yeah. So, and t- to be clear. That's what Steam's gonna legislate. <laughs> no, the 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 developers took it off themselves. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So still fuck Steam. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right, that's fair. That's fair. They they serve a lot of stuff, but it wasn't their fault in this case. Uh, <laughs> all right. In this specific instance, anyways, it's a great game. If you if it's available to buy, I forgot to check. Uh, but it is, um, highly. Uh, if you like horror, if you like Silent Hill, like this is definitely your jam. Um. And speaking of horror, uh, you and I both watch it, but maybe you want to talk about this uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Uh, yeah, uh, it's <laughs> it's basically a uh, a Delta Green scenario. If, if no no agents ever showed up, yeah. and you were just making fun of the art community, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I'm for, yeah, uh, they're they're deserving of, but, yeah, yeah. Um, Maddie, uh, uh, what told me it's a great, it's a great horror movie because you don't feel bad about anyone who dies. Like everyone who gets killed totally deserved. (laughs) Yeah. Um, everyone there is selfish. Uh, I apparently read up on it. The director basically wanted to do, have you heard of the movie, the player, um, with the, it's a nineties movie about Hollywood and agents and that whole lifestyle. Is that the one based off of, a? um, it's got the Jacob's Fitzgerald's last Um, unfinished novel. Who's who's the guy stars in Jacob's ladder? Uh, Tim Robbins. I think so. Yeah. yeah, he stars in the player too oh, as an agent. Okay. And it's all about the de- and so he wanted to do the player, but for the art world, and also have them murdered by haunted paintings. Uh, <laughs> that's in the trailer. I mean, that's not really a spoiler. Yeah. Um, and I do also want to mention there's a documentary that makes a really great companion to it called The Blurred Lines, which is about the art world and how it's messed up. And guess what? It's all about the money and rich people ruining things. Yep. Uh, because all the artists are now just making art for art shows and auction houses so they can get more money because the people, rich people keep demanding it. It's, it's an elaborate money laundering scheme. <laughs> I mean, they don't mention that in Blurred Lines, uh, but there is a show on Amazon called The Great Beast that is the global economy. Yeah, and the yeah. first episode is about money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> and they mention art in it, so it all works around. Yep. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the, your campaign? Uh, Red markets are where people can find that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, um, we've got uh, 
got a YouTube channel, um, Bike Squadron Alpha, and that uh, the the links are put up on Fridays on the Red Markets uh, Facebook group page. So uh, you can get at to at it through that. Uh, as we said, we are testing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going for a long play format for the for the War Rules and Mass Combat Rules. Caleb has written so instead of retirement goals, they have war goals mm-hmm. to gain assets um, to utilize in the big large scale combat that they will eventually get to. Yeah. While also testing the new gear and equipment. Um, and then, yeah, the, the other game, uh, I hope we'll make it to tabletop tales. We'll see how the recordings go for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, these new, the new gear rules, some of it, I think is a bit redundant. I'll be honest, but I do definitely appreciate the work these two guys have put into writing this and there's some really great additions to it. Um, and a pretty good addition for it. And yet one more Aaron story to add to the Pantheon. Um, they have added rules for, uh, an exosuit system, um, sort of like the, uh, the called the Aaron. <laughs> is it should called be. the Aaron? No. no, it's not. I might it as well. Be. though. Yeah. Um, a, a rod. I'm not talking the Marvel movie, but the actual Iron Man suits mm-hmm. that the U S military has been experimenting yeah. with for about a decade. Oops. Mm-hmm. They're more like the, the frames that they use in the matrix, the third matrix movie. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I'd say, more I mean, not live, big, die, live, die, repeat. Okay. Um, the, the actually really oh, under- edge of tomorrow. Yeah. yeah edge of yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, all you need is kill. It's got yeah. three titles. It's got yeah, three yeah. T- actually for titles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say it's pretty close to that. Uh, so Aaron, of course, being Aaron decided that he, he for once decided he wanted to play uh fighter. Um, he wanted to be the fighter for the group. So he's there. He's heavy, close in support. So he's running one of these, he's, he's a scavenger running one of these suits with a flamethrower strap to it. And, um, super effective against the undead. <laughs> well, he's also got spoiler alert. It's not, he's also got body armor and now he's, he, he found a hell. He managed to scavenge himself a helmet in the, in, in the first game. Uh, yeah. So, uh, they I'm just imagine him wearing a bucket on his head, <laughs> like eyes drawn on it. We'll get the, we'll get to this. Uh, so yeah, they, they opted for the, the red herring job in our first game session rather than going with the actual big story stuff. <laughs> um, so there is a community of crystal gazers, um, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, crystal energy type of cats. new agers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. New agers hiding in this, um, wild west, um, simulation town <laughs> that is, that is brought by a bunch of, you know, failed actors. Uh, so they took their job and they're going to a, um, a solar energy. It, it's not solar energy, but it's a mirror farm utilizing, yeah. uh, the energy to fuel, uh, waste disposal. I stole that from the, the shitty Sahara movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, 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 what they got their pretty you cast aspersions on Sahara. <laughs> I genuinely like it, but it's, it's trash. And I, and yeah, I know how trash, trash it is. Um, so yeah, so they get to this mirror. They get to this farm. At first, Aaron wants to make a stealth check in this exosuit, always which is, a good start, which it strictly prohibits. So, but Aaron, Aaron, Aaron used his his leftover plead skills from the from the rain campaign, the Nagal CT campaign. Um, so I gave him a scavenge check, and he found an old sand rail and strapped bits of the the, the siding off the sand rail to his suit, and slowly a sand rail is an off road racer. For those of you that don't know, um, mm-hmm. it's not a dune buggy, it's not a race cart somewhere in between. Uh, yeah, so he started scooting along the desert wearing this rusted, ostentatiously colored panels of aluminum off this car and made his stealth checks off of it. So he made it to the farm, okay. And inside there was a bunch of detox who were having an ideological crisis over whether they should blow up the mirror farm or use it to murder more um, unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, 
the players decided to try and uh, play the groups. You know, ideology is a smart move because they're outnumbered three to one. Uh, it kind of worked, kind of didn't. So Aaron's like, okay, I want to make one more scavenge check to find a helmet. I was like, okay, sure. Give me the check. He's like, okay, I found it. Uh, I want to charge in and make an intimidation check um, and start screaming that I'm with the DHQS and they need to... So basically, he turned himself into an Ed 209 with his exosuit <laughs> and just charges into these neo-primitives with this freaking suit and completely fails his check. And I was like, yeah, they don't care. Uh, they start shooting at you with both arrows and spears and shit. <laughs> yeah. So Aaron ends up in this close quarters fight with a flamethrower against a bunch of people chucking spears and shit at him. Jesus. Um, and the exosuit just... It, I tell you what, it is expensive and it is ridiculously hard to maintain. <laughs> but if your campaign will allow, you know, if, if this one makes the final cut and you uh, GM decides the campaign that, that will allow it, mm-hmm. it's a pretty fun tool. Aaron's having a good time with it and it has a nice balance of costing Aaron a shit ton of his resources, <laughs> but it's pretty usable. He managed to effectively survive that encounter to run back and save their Leighton who got headshotted with my bone hair because I great succeeded on my first attack check against her. She hasn't played RPGs in years and wanted to get back into it. Oops. And I immediately shot her in the face. I was like, well, your late just got shot in the head with a bow and arrow. Have fun dealing with the vector in your lines. And there's yeah, a new... Every, up- every whine's about the leg damage until that happens. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then suddenly we don't want the random damage rules. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's an upgrade for the medical kit that these guys have also provided. Speaking of other tools that aren't mm-hmm. guns and aren't mm-hmm. Fantasized. Uh, they've added a defibrillation unit to the med kit, so you can actually save players without will points uh, yeah. from a, from a death from a death roll. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Aaron managed to you know utilize all of the the bonus rules. The the exosuit gets to charge back and zap the latent back into the life before she turned back to on them. Uh, so yeah, I, I have good feelings about this campaign. With them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to it too. I yeah. think I think um, and you're recording these for RPPR. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to send them over to you for yeah, tabletop yeah. tales yeah, we'll as play, long we'll... as the recordings aren't garbage. Yeah, which again, uh, Discord was not nice to us for our first game, so we'll see how the quality comes out. Okay. Uh, well, anyways, um, that has been uh, RPBR episode uh, one sixty five. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Ross Payton uh, and Caleb. I'm at Hebanon G Cal and uh, Jason. Are you? Dude, I don't have a Twitter. No. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm uh, good. <laughs> yeah, but you can. You can. Uh, you're on the RPPR. Whisper Facebook. his name yep. to a pigeon. Yep. <laughs> yep. I will. Yeah. I, it Send will. It, it will air. find me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening. If you have uh, questions, comments, uh, please uh, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. Uh, and we appreciate uh, any and all support. Uh, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash RPR, uh, where we put bonus podcasts up like uh, Jason's uh, review of <laughs> Phoenix Command, uh, which is a fun episode. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.